We are back for a week five recap, which can best be described as a bit of a bounce back, a breakout week. We had Chase with his 2023 breakout, A-Chan keeping his extreme efficiency, Brees Hall taking advantage of that Broncos matchup, and two relatively quiet tight ends with breakout games. Dallas Goddard being the first tight end to surpass 100 yards also brings in a touchdown, and then George Kittle, three touchdowns, three receptions in the night game. Whew. We've got cash lineups to review, a couple failed GPPs. We'll preview the Monday Night Football game between the Packers and the Raiders. Let's get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. I am your host, Justin Herzig, and this feels like a Trust the process week. Uh, it was a fun one. I uh, let, let, Let's dive right into the, to the lineup here. But cash lineup put up 172.44 points. Finished above the cash line. Won 90% of my head-to-heads. A lot of it came down to, did you play Jamar Chase? Because obviously he had the big breakout. And then if you played Jamar Chase, had to kind of either find a couple other hits, avoid a couple other duds. So I'll go through, first off, with my kind of process. Um, you know, going through each position, how I got to where I got, and then we can talk through some of the kind of the key, uh, I'd say decision points throughout, but starting off at the quarterback position, I went with Patrick Mahomes also considered Jalen Hurts and Anthony Richardson. Jalen Hurts was 200 cheaper. Anthony Richardson was a little more than a thousand cheaper. Uh, for me, maybe I made a mistake not exploring more of the Hurts options when I was kind of just doing a straight up comparison of Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Um, the game environment with Kansas City going against Minnesota just felt like a better situation than what you get out of Jalen Hurts versus the Rams. Plus, Jalen Hurts has not been rushing as much recently. So that combined with kind of just wanting to, if I was not going to have Kelsey wanting to get Mahomes in that game, is where I just kind of said, hey, straight up, like 200 is not that much. I'm just going to lock in uh, Mahomes and build from there. Hindsight. There ended up being a bit of um, there was a wrong. I think I ended up being on the wrong side of a three v three that I probably would have preferred of Hertz, Achan, and Khalif Raymond versus my Patrick Mahomes, Hollywood Brown, and Josh Reynolds. I'll go a little into that more. Um, but so I want to say, like, I think I made a little mistake rushing over the Jalen Hurts and thinking through maybe that two hundred actually would have been worthwhile if I plug, you know, if I mix some other pieces up. The Anthony Richardson, even though I've been heavy on him previously. It didn't make sense for me in this game because I did feel like, hey, you still have like the – I still don't love the floor of Anthony Richardson. Even last week when he put up that strong game, the first half at one point, I think he only had like six points through about halftime. And um, like if he doesn't get the rushing touchdowns, that – you know, there, there's some risk involved. And then you've got Jonathan Taylor coming back. Maybe they wanted to get Jonathan Taylor an extra goal line look or something. Um, you just weren't saving much, uh, enough. I think it was around $1,400 to go from Patrick Mahomes to Anthony Richardson. So there, I went with the Mahomes side of things. Um, hindsight, Hertz was definitely the right play. And the big kind of standout here is that, as I mentioned, like Hertz had not been rushing that much lately, not counting kind of the, bro- the brotherly shove, obviously. But uh, today he went 15 carries, 72 yards, and a touchdown in a close game. I'm kind of expecting that, hey, when they don't need him, when it's games that they've got kind of control, maybe they don't run him as much. Um, the Rams, strong opponent, strong offense. Maybe they allow him to kind of run a bit more. 
I got to look a little more into like, is there kind of formations that we're seeing? Because we do know the Eagles have had some close games. They went to overtime before against Washington and we still didn't see this much usage. So um, I will try to kind of dive a little further into why we expect, why, why we saw Hurts run as much as he did this week. And if we can kind of project that going forward. Um, otherwise, so Mahomes was around 18%, Anthony Richardson, 13%, Jalen Hurts, 9% in cash. So things are pretty spread out. No real true leader here. Other guys, you have Stafford at 13, two at 13 as well. And both those were fine. 17, 22 points there. Uh, the standouts really outside of Jalen Hurts were the guys that no one really played in cash, but if you played them in tournaments, I mean, Joe Burrow put up 27, Jared Goff put up 27, and then Desmond Ritter put up 29. And so those guys were on about 2%, 2% of their 0% in uh, cash games. So it didn't really impact the cash standings, um, but uh, noteworthy for tournaments without a doubt. And Desmond Ritter, I mean, I this stat line just absolutely shocked me. Went 28 of 37, 329 passing yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, got a two-point conversion as well. Um, just didn't really think that hey, it was in his wheelhouse to be passing as much as they did. And even in a game where it's not like they were behind much, I think uh, – Houston just kept putting up field goals. It was never more than a one touchdown game, but Atlanta decided that they wanted to throw and they did it through both tight ends, both Johnny Smith and Kyle Pitts racking up yards in that one. Um, so something to watch. Um, I don't know. doesn't get me too excited. I think it's probably more of an outlier than anything else, but found it at least interesting. And obviously if you were drafting Desmond Ritter as a last rounder in best ball, this is the kind of weeks that you are ecstatic about. So played Mahomes. Let's move on to the running back position. Uh, for me, Dave Montgomery was a lock. Um, once Jameer Gibbs was out, then you combine Amon Ra also, also out in a pretty strong matchup. Um, Dave Montgomery, I didn't really just look anywhere else besides locking him. And uh, Bijan was a pretty close to a lock given talent, but I won't call it a full lock, but definitely like a want to play. Um, when you consider the talent, the expected role, that game, you know, that game environment, Algier usage was trending down, et cetera. Um, play ended up playing both of those, Montgomery and Bijan. Uh, ended up getting a rushing split correct between Algier and Bijan, but where it kind of hurt is that Bijan was not used nearly as much in the passing game as we've seen before. I probably even got a little lucky with the touchdown catch. If you saw it, it was extremely impressive. I don't even know how he held onto it, but got a receiving touchdown. So, Probably ran a little lucky there on the Bijan to even get those 13 points. Um, if he's not going to be used in a game, and it was weird too, because as I mentioned, like Desmond Ritter dropped, I mean, 37 pass attempts, 300 plus yards, and Bijan was just not a part of that. Um, we'll see whether this was an outlier or what you know, that, that trend looks like going forward. The other running backs that were in consideration, uh, so A-Chan and Joe Mixon were the two for me. Um for the A-chan side of things, he's always going to be a tough one, you know, I think all year, as he's going to, unless he starts getting a massive workload, which I'm not expected, we're going to continue to project him for 10 to 12 touches. But with that offense, his speed, his talent, it can lead to that insane efficiency. And that's exactly what we saw today. 12 touches, 165 yards, and a touchdown. Both sides, who the people who played him, people who faded him, if you faded him, you were like, ah, I expected those 12 touches and I can't project that he's still going to get these 76 yard touchdowns. If you played him, you're like, that's exactly why I played him because I know he can break one at any time. And the Miami Dolphins are so strong. So this is going to continue to be a difficult decision point. And if it's as his price probably continues to increase, 
with these type of games, it's going to be difficult. Probably going to be matchup based, but um, never going to feel that great playing in, especially in cash when you're only getting those like what projected 10 to 12 touches for Joe Mixon. Mixon may finish this week with the highest expected points based on kind of the red zone usage this week, but he didn't get, wasn't able to get into the reds into the end zone. Um, I'll be interested to see what that actual chart looks like from an expected standpoint. So fading him, it felt a little scary when we were seeing actually like how much his usage was throughout the week from an ownership standpoint of those players. The two guys I played at 71% with Montgomery, 33% was Bijan. And then HM was at 38, Brees Hall 28. Those four really got a lot of the volume. Mixon was right after at 15. Uh, but for the most part, like it was a highly concentrated player pool for the running back position. Outlier uh, result here that I think is most worth talking about is that Zach Moss, fantasy points. DK put up 36 and a half DK points, went 23 carries, 165 yards, and two touchdowns, and tacked on two receptions for 30 yards. Compared it to Jonathan Taylor, who went six carries, 18 yards, one reception, 16 yards. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one because, and I, I kind of joked about it. I put a little meme on Twitter earlier where if you are bullish in this, you can see it as, hey, this is going to be an amazing situation for Jonathan Taylor because if Zach Moss can get that, then you know Jonathan Taylor is going to be able to just absolutely dominate. And the other side is, well, Zach Moss playing so well. You look at his stats from the two games where uh, Richardson got hurt and then Minshew played, and then again in this one where again Richardson got hurt and Minshew played, but Zach Moss was able to still capitalize. How are they going to take him and you know put him on the bench and such? So the way that I see this going forward is there's a wide range of outcomes, no question, but how slowly they brought him along today, how the wording that we've heard from the coaches and such that it's going to be kind of a slow ramp up. And now that we know that he got a three-year contract and that the Colts are going to be invested in him long-term and throw on that the Colts are actually tied for first at three and two, it wouldn't shock me, especially with hey, Shane Steichen there as the coach, for them to use a bit more of a kind of two-headed backfield with Jonathan Taylor being the lead back, at least the 1A, probably the lead back, but Zach Moss maybe playing, I don't know, one uh, one set of downs every two or three, something to just more mixes in than what we've seen previously with the Colts where Jonathan Taylor was just the entire backfield. I think that's probably a fair expectation. May honestly not be a horrible thing for Jonathan Taylor from an overall health standpoint and longevity, but it does cap his upside. Um, and there's a possibility that the split is actually worse than a, you know, a, a lead and a back. And it more is close to that kind of 1A, 1B standpoint. We'll see. I still think Jonathan Taylor is a very, very strong talent. As long as he can come back from whatever this ankle injury is, um, should, should be exciting. I think it's promising days ahead for him. But I think it's fair to say that like Zach Moss has earned a bit larger of a role than what we probably expected before the season. The other note here is the Anthony Richardson injury with, I think it's a sprained AC joint. The splits for running backs when Anthony Richardson is in the game versus out are absolutely insane. And it's not just from a, hey, Gardner Minshew is more likely to throw to his running backs. But beyond that, it's just Zach Moss just goes off. And they're just more committed to the run. And it's a team that is able to run and be on the ground efficiently. And so this might be a weird situation where when Anthony Richardson is playing, 
he's actually kind of like a downgrade to everyone on the team except for himself compared to when Gardner Minshew is in because Minshew can run that offense effectively. He can still distribute the ball. We saw Josh Downs have a big game. Michael Pittman still had a solid game. Um, just something to keep an eye, keep a thought on as this, you know, as this injury, as we keep an eye on this injury for, um, for Anthony Richardson. And then, okay, one other running back that I'll reference uh, that I think is pretty interesting. We talked a little about the A-chan. So similar vein to A-chan, you've got Jaleel McLaughlin. Jaleel McLaughlin is 5'8", 187 pounds. He was an undrafted, undrafted free agent. Devin A-chan is 5'9", 188, pretty much identical sizes. A-chan has notably better metrics. His, we ran the 4'3", 240, which is 99th percentile, compared to Jaleel McLaughlin as a 4'5", in the 40. That's 75th percentile. Uh, obviously, second-round talent versus undrafted free agent. But these guys like Jaleel McLaughlin, who previously we've never expected them to be able to be a workhorse, so we've never found like a great role for them. You kind of thought of them as maybe gadget players in the past. But as the league is shifting, maybe we're going to see – as we hear about it, as uh, short King summer, we may see more and more usage of these kind of small, the evolution of the gadget back. Uh, but he, Jalen McLaughlin, look explosive out there for the Broncos. I think his role is going to, I don't want to say his role is going to continue to increase because I don't think that's, that's the type of player he is or the kind of role they want him to have. But I think his role has become more and more secure, even when Javante Williams is back. Um and yeah, we know the offense has obviously struggled and such, but Jaleel McLaughlin has definitely been a uh, a bright spot and has a level of explosiveness that definitely Samaj Piran does not have. And Javante Williams, to be honest, probably doesn't either, at least not until he's at 100% full health. All right, let's move on to the wide receiver position. For me, uh, Jamar Chase was the only lock in this one. The overall player pool from my wide receivers, though, was pretty tight. But Jamar Chase with no T. Higgins, Good matchup. Burrow at full health, according to the team, not in the injury report, and $1,100 cheaper than Tyreek and $1,500 cheaper than Justin Jefferson. Uh, made him kind of a, hey, need to, I want to make sure that I'm getting him in the lineups and working around that. That did take Tyreek and Justin Jefferson out of play for me, where all across, you know, those three wide receivers were very high owned in tournaments. Justin Jefferson at 30%, Tyreek Hill at 25%, and Jamar Chase at 25%. These percentages are all for the single uh, single entry double ups. So once you kind of making that decision, which one you're going with, if you went with the Justin Jefferson, you probably did not cash this week. He finished with 5.8, had a bad game, also got injured. If you went with Tyreek Hill, he got 35 points. You probably were maybe able to cash, depending on what you did with the rest of your lineup. And with Jamar Chase going for 55, you were probably looking pretty strong um, as long as you didn't dud out in the rest of your side and rest of your lineup. Uh, other wide receivers looking at, so Wandale was the next closest as kind of a, not definitely not a lock, but like a, felt really good to play as you normally don't find someone with a, his role min priced low ceiling, of course, in that Daniel Jones offense, but definitely a higher floor or median. And at a 3000 price point felt like a decent guy to kind of get in there and build around. Uh, also on the Detroit side of things, I like both cheap guys, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond capitalizing on the Amon Ra being out. Um, I ended up playing Josh Reynolds in this one, but as I mentioned, that 3v3 previously probably should have gone down to Khalif Raymond, used those savings to get up elsewhere, um, and I would have gotten off of Marquise Brown. That was my other wide receiver, 
Really liked both Marquise Brown and Garrett Wilson, but that 5K price tag for Hollywood really worked well with lineups. Um, I think when I think about from a results standpoint, obviously hit that nut outcome for Jamar Chase, uh, which really was pretty necessary to have a good day. For the Hollywood side of things, I got the TD early, but he really could have had a much bigger day. He missed on a deep ball by Josh Dobbs. He still had 10 targets. Uh, could have seen that going pretty stronger. And then Josh Reynolds probably actually got a little lucky given he wasn't even a full-time player today. And I really think uh, mistakes were made, but the small 3v3 should have gotten off of that Reynolds and gone to Khalif Raymond. The roles actually that weren't that different and uh, the price didn't make up for it even uh, in, in advance. From an ownership standpoint, Wondell Robinson was owned at 48%. Makes sense given he was that you know, that low priced. You then had the three high priced expensive wide receivers and Marquise Brown there as well at that 26%. And then it was everyone was down kind of 17% and lower. Um, yeah, I, I felt pr- pretty decent about those. Um, looking at the wide receivers and stuff, I think one notable was who I did not even consider and probably should have. Adam Thielen was owned at 16%, went off, had 30 points. And this just feels like <laughs> it's just a ridiculous run, but we've got to really start considering him as one of the uh, wide receiver top plays each week. If you look at his last four games, seven targets, 11 targets, seven targets, 11. Oh, no, sorry. Those are receptions. Seven receptions, 11 receptions, seven receptions, 11 receptions. Yards are 54, 145, 76, 107, and three TDs in that period. So he's averaging nine receptions over the last four games. Uh, targets, he's averaging double-digit targets. T- more TD, three TDs out of those four games. Just absolutely insane. And that's not just with you had Dalton. So start with those. You had Bryce Young in the last two of those games. So someone that we need to continue to, to actually keep an eye on. And I did not expect that I'd be saying that before this season, but he really has looked good and, you know, he's playing well. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, he's old, but he's doing it. All right. On the tight end side of things, never really considered anyone besides Mike, uh, besides Sam Laporta on this slate. He was in that kind of weird middle range between the cheap Zachers and the expensive Travis Kelsey, but for me, similar to how I talked about kind of the Detroit guys earlier, when you have no Amon Ra, you have no Gibbs, it's a plus matchup. And then Sam Laporte has been trending. He's been probably one of the best rookie tight end starts we have seen through the first four games. Now has to be the best through having this two touchdown day today. Um, just strong median, strong ceiling play, even at that price point, which is that kind of weird no man's land. Other tight ends, so he was on about 23%. Other tight ends that were heavily owned, Zach Ertz at 25%, put up nine points. Travis Kelsey had a good day despite that injury, caught the touchdown at 15%. Uh, and those three were really kind of the range of the price points with Travis Kelsey all the way up, Zach Ertz near the bottom, and Sam Laporta right in that middle area. Couldn't Didn't really go wrong with either of them. I think probably the Travis Kelsey, even though he scored the most, it hurt you the most just for the price-wise because if you want Kelsey, you probably – Missed out on Jamar Chase. Uh, so if that was a decision point, that probably kind of was the most uh, painful for the tight end standpoint. Other where, uh, elsewhere in the um, in tight end, I kind of alluded to this earlier, we had that Dallas Goddard game. Dallas Goddard squeaky narrative. Squeaky wheel narrative really comes on strong. Uh, I mentioned in that last, last pod from 
it was Thursday. Uh, he was one of the top rest of season best ball values because he's still getting first looks. Coaches are literally saying that his time is still coming. Overall explosiveness of this offense, not to mention the contingency value if we actually lost Devonta Smith or A.J. Brown for a period of time. He's going to have a strong game. This was obviously one of them. First tight end to crack 100-plus yards, going eight for 117 on one. Only 3% owned in cash, so didn't really come into play. But if you went with the Hurts-Goddard stack today, that probably was a fantastic starting point with 30 from from Jalen Hurts and 29 from Dallas Goddard. On the defense side, once again, highest owned defenses continue to struggle, but obviously it makes sense because usually the highest owns is pretty cheap, but Titans, 39% of the field playing the Titans got you one point. If you ended up deciding to play up a little elsewhere, the second highest owned team were the Saints who put up 24. Uh, great, you know, they looked fantastic against the Patriots. More so the Patriots just looked atrocious. This is back-to-back games. The Patriots have really, really struggled. Um, it's a team that we're probably going to want to be attacking with defenses. Even though, like, going into the season, I didn't think they had that, like, rough up an offensive line. I thought it was going to be a team that was going to run it slow. We know they have a very difficult schedule, so we're baking that in. But, yeah, they've, they've looked very, very bad. So uh, we'll keep that in mind. The next highest owned team where the Dolphins make complete sense going against the Giants. You knew they were going to get sacks there. Um, not too surprising there. Okay, so quick review overall. Um, my team, I guess I probably make it a little easier. So I played Patrick Mahomes, Bijan Robinson, and Dave Montgomery, Jamar Chase, Josh Reynolds, Wando Robinson, and Marquise Brown, tight end Sam Laporta, and Tennessee Titans. And as I said, 172.44. When we look at what the cash lines, and you know, I'm always talking about like, the difference between the single entry and the multi entry. For a $5 single entry, cash line was just under 150 at 149.94. For the $5 multi-entry, it was all the way up at 167.02. That's a difference of 17.08 points. Ladies, gentlemen, play those single entries as much as you can before even bothering with the multi-entry. The value is there. Uh, I obviously crushed the single, squeezed into the multi-entry, and then uh, won 9% my head-to-head. So overall, had a pretty strong cash day. Was happy with that. Uh, thankfully, because my GPPs were not good. Uh, I ran two core teams for GPPs, and both these teams lost their quarterback. Neither of them had Jamar Chase, and uh, those two things combined are not good, but I'll read through them real quick. Uh, one was an Anthony Richardson team. Anthony Richardson is correlated Stacking Josh Downs, DeAndre Hopkins as the bring back. My running backs were Bijan, Dave Montgomery, and Joe Mixon. Wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, DeAndre Hopkins, Josh Downs. And I played the Patriots. Uh, put up 113.62, but duds. Uh, really just Anthony Richardson put up four points. Garrett Wilson only put up eight. All around pretty mediocre. Meh, bleh, not good. Uh, other lineup that I went with was a Daniel Jones lineup with Wandale Robinson as the stack partner. To combine, they scored 15, 16 points. Again, Daniel Jones got hurt in his game. The other players in that one, Dave Montgomery and Joe Mixon were running back. Tyreek Hill, Josh Reynolds, Wandale Robinson, Marquise Brown. Spent up a tight end to get Travis Kelsey and the Titans there. Uh, put up 143.86. Not horrible, but again, no Jamar Chase. 
not good enough. And obviously when your QB and your wide receiver stack puts up 15, 16 points, uh, you're going to have trouble. So no luck there on the GPP front for me, but overall still had a pretty successful weekend. Uh, let's take a look at, um, yeah, let's do injuries first. So from an injury standpoint, I've alluded to a few of these, but things to keep an eye on for next week. Uh, Anthony Richardson has the right AC sprain. This is similar to what Derek Carr had. Derek Carr decided he was just going to play through it. Um, we'll see what happens with Anthony Richardson. Going to get an MRI on Monday. Expectations I've seen are somewhere between probably zero and three games, depending on the severity. Um, Anthony Richardson, in this time that he is going to maybe take off, like coaches need to work with him to avoid taking these hits. This is now... It just, when you watch the games too, you can see he's just inviting contact with his rushes. Uh, something that needs to learn. Hopefully, uh, Shane Steichen can really get him there for, hey, we want you to be, we want to use you on the ground. We love that you're physical, but need to be able to kind of avoid hits because these injuries just are going to continue to rack up. Other injury from a quarterback position was Daniel Jones. A neck injury, he told reporters out of the game that it felt like the 2021 when he had to get surgery for that neck. This, combined with how bad the Giants have looked, I can't imagine he's excited to get back behind that offensive line. So wouldn't expect him to rush back. You know, maybe they're sure they're going to make sure that he's fully healthy. Hopefully there's no surgery involved here, but we just got to kind of wait and see on this one. Wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, I mentioned, not a great game today, but also suffered from a hamstring injury. Uh, coach afterwards said that you know, they're monitoring, not quite sure the severity of it. Hopefully he'll be good to go soon, but they really don't know. No additional news here. Tank Dell also suffered with an injury. This one, I saw conflicting reports. I saw leg. I also saw head. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening with this, but uh, worth at least watching. Zay Jones re-injures his knee. This one is not good. Anytime that you have a kind of a you know, knee injuries are always scary, but the fact that it's also the same knee as before, not great for Zay Jones, even despite him having another, having a solid day today with a touchdown. We'll continue to monitor that. And another knee injury, James Conner, probably the scariest of the week with James Conner making a big play almost leapfrogging, kind of flipping over a guy, cleat gets stuck in the ground, knee injury. James Conner has a pretty bad history of knee injuries as well. So don't feel good about this one. Definitely concerned. And if he is unable to go, we'll see what happens there. You could definitely tell that when he was out of the game, Arizona felt, you know, you, Arizona was missing a key part of their offense. I don't think they're a good enough team to just kind of uh, run it. And when you look at their other running backs of what DeMarco, DeMarco and uh, Keontae Ingram, it's, it's not pretty, not pretty. I can't wait for Twitter. You'll tell them, Hey, they should go sign Leonard Fournette. And uh, Leonard Fournette would have to actually get off of the couch where um, I think he should have been sitting for the past five weeks. But that is it for the injuries We'll keep it, that I'm monitoring and we'll keep an eye on for the game Monday Night Football. Quick preview here. Raiders are home to the Green Bay Packers. Two-point favorites, 45.5 total on the Raiders' side. Jimmy G is back from the concussion protocol. Devontae Adams is questionable, but I think he's going to play. We've got Jacoby healthy, and then I think that Josh Jacobs' role continues to stay strong. We know that there's a tight target tree between and usage uh, when it is Jimmy G with those three guys. And if Devontae ends up being out, um, 
obviously Jacoby's going to be probably the beneficiary and what people will be talking about, but I personally think Josh Jacobs gets the strongest bump in the passing game if Devontae ends up having to miss a game. On the Green Bay side of things, only injury we're really watching and monitoring is Aaron Jones. Seems to be a legit questionable. He's been limited in practice three days in a row. I'm expecting this to be one of those uh, try it out in practice and see how it goes situations. If no Aaron Jones, this might be the final chance for A.J. Dillon to finally do something. Raiders are a bottom 10 rushing defense. And we know they've they've used A.J. Dillon. He hasn't been using the passing game, but they've definitely still like said, like, hey, you are our running back and we're willing to give you a large workload when Aaron Jones hasn't been in. But the games haven't been pretty. It's been difficult matchups. And A.J. Dillon just basically looks like he's running in three feet of snow all the time. It is just slow motion, not great. As for the wide receivers, Christian Watson last week only ran around on 48% of Jordan Love's dropbacks as it was his first game back from injury. I'm expecting that to increase to maybe about 80% this week. Not expecting Romeo Dobbs to really go anywhere, but maybe a few, a tad fewer targets overall. Then you're looking at Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed stayed consistent from game one through game four, almost always right around 70%. I think the team really wants to kind of these three to play around 70 to 80% and then use guys like the Davian Vicks. Uh, Samori Toure to really fill in the rest of those wide receiver spots. And there's always Luke Musgrave, who really hasn't had that big breakout game yet, but we've seen the, we've seen hints of it. We've seen some deep balls. We've seen some opportunities for him. Maybe this will be the breakout game for Musgrave. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, honestly, so I guess if you're playing showdown, I was kind of building some fun lineups with this one. The ones that I like the best were five and one builds on the Raiders versus GB sides. That'd be things like Jimmy, Devante, Jacoby, uh, Jacobs, and maybe DST. And then you bring a Green Bay bring back. But those are the ones that usually are underutilized um, when we're looking at showdown, uh, showdown lineups. Four twos are the most common with a favorite team being the four. Here, it's almost a coin flip. I think while Vegas likes Raiders home at two, I think the public actually likes the Packers a bit more. But for me, I think because of this kind of tight target tree, if Devontae is playing, I'd love to use the Jimmy, Devontae, Jacoby, Jacobs, and then use the fifth as uh, maybe that DST, maybe a kicker, and then a Green Bay bring back. All right, that is all for today. If you made it to the end, I hope you're enjoying these, getting value from them. And if so, I'd love for you if you could, hey, share and tag me on Twitter about this podcast, maybe tell a friend. I'll be back on Thursday as we look ahead to weeks, week six. Have a great start to your week. See y'all later.